We're talking about Christmas lights. We're talking about the light of joy. Last week, we talked about peace with God. And we looked at this little passage from Romans 5 and about how peace with God really provides the foundation for us. It's, it's the grace in which we stand that in some ways makes up all the connections so that we can actually experience hope and peace and joy and love. So when we talk about not just what is the light of Jesus, but how do we actually live in light of Jesus. And that was the challenge. And then I gave you a practice. I said, the, part of what the challenge of living in peace and actually living in it is hurry. It's that hurry of life that can sometimes break that connection because we can, in our hurry, we fail to receive, we can fail to rest, we can fail to really stay attached to Jesus. So I gave you a little, little practice. It was a baby step, five minutes. How many of you did the practice over the week? A few has not, okay. All right. Here's, here's, here's my, uh, one of my admonitions to you today. You don't have to wait till January 1st to start a new habit. Amen? When's the best time to start a good spiritual practice? Right now. Oh my goodness, I got to calm down. <laughs> right now. So if you started that practice, of peace, and you just took five minutes to listen and reflect on that thought, or you took a spiritual walk, keep that up. Keep that up. Let's build these habits. Well, this morning we're going to talk about joy. Joy. And not just in the abstract, but how do we actually experience joy? And um, we're going to learn from the mother of Jesus this morning. We're going to learn from Mary. So I want to take you right to the text. Always a good place to be. But I'm going to pray first. Father, as we enter into your word, I ask that your Holy, your spirit would work in each and every one of us, that whatever might be distracting us, whatever might be taking our attention from you, right now, that your spirit would speak so clearly through your word, that you would take whatever words I have, and you would use them, and you would take whatever I say and make it helpful, and may it bring, bring glory and honor to you, and just discard whatever isn't helpful and honoring to you this morning. Because Holy Spirit, we desperately cry out to you, and we want you to be our teacher this morning. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, let me take you to Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. First off, we're going to look at Mary's story. Then we'll look at her song, but I want you to understand the story first. To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying 
and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. I want to pause. I'm going to pause a few moments in the story. But I want you to reflect on Mary for just a moment and her story. She's in this little hick town of Nazareth. She's maybe 15. She's maybe 15. And she has this experience. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Sometimes we have a tendency to look back at the ancients and say, well, they weren't as scientific and as educated as we are today, so maybe they weren't as skeptical as we might be today. Maybe, they, maybe she, she would not have had some of the same questions we would had, have today if we encountered some kind of supernatural, miraculous experience. It's important to note that Mary was troubled. She was perplexed. She was confused. She was shaken. She had to take a moment to look at it and add it up. This word tried to discern. It's, it's you know, the Greek, it's like an accounting term of, of adding things up. She went through a process. It was not an immediate response. When I hear that, I'm encouraged. She reasoned. There had to be a part of Mary that said, seriously, seriously, there's no way this could be true. Let's continue. And the angel said to her, verse 30, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of the Lord forever, forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. What is the angel Gabriel communicating here? It's the big story of the whole Bible. <laughs> He's going all the way back. Everything is going to, it's going to come to pass. It's going to be fulfilled in this child that you're going to bear. Imagine teenager, young Mary, taking all this in. Taking all this in. So she has a very practical question. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? It's a very practical question. It's a fair question. Now, if you were to go back and look a little bit of the backstory here, the angel Gabriel had appeared to the priest Zechariah and said, your wife Elizabeth, even though she's really old, she too will bear a child. This would be John the Baptist, and he would do great things. Now, Zechariah hears this from the angel, and his response is, how can this be? How can I know this to be true? Now, the priest, Zechariah, all the training, 
I'm sure he knew about Abraham and Sarah and all these other old stories. But yet there's something in his heart that responds a little bit differently than Mary. And he's silenced because he doesn't believe. Now God will work through that. This child will be born. And they'll, they'll say, call him Zachariah. No, 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 it's John. He write, has to write it on a tablet. And then his, his voice will come and he will give praise to God. I want to take a moment and I want to pause in the story. Because I think there's a moment of doubt in Zechariah and Mary that I believe is really instructive and helpful to us to see today. So let's take a quick pause in the story. I want to borrow an insight from Tim Keller on this. When you look at Mary and you look at Zechariah, two different types of doubt. Not all doubt is the same. Not all doubt is the same. Two different types. Keller says this. He says, some doubt seeks answers. Some doubt is a defense against the possibility of answers. Let that sit on you just a minute. Two kinds of doubt. Mary's doubt, I'm seeking answers. Zechariah's doubt, a defense against the possibility of answers. Now, doubt can be a starting point. It doesn't have to be an ending point. But I want to say this about doubt. And I want to say this because I know some of you personally struggle. I know some of you have people that you dearly love who struggle with doubt. You may have children, you may have grandchildren, you may have friends that struggle with doubt. And sometimes with doubt, we, we, we can go one of two directions. We can, in our culture, because it's kind of the, the end thing to doubt and deconstruct and do all these things, we can glorify it and say, this is great, what a wonderful process. Sometimes in the church we can say, don't ask your hard questions, just believe. Probably a ditch on both of those. But the Bible gives us a very nuanced view of doubt. And I want to read these words from um, a book called After Doubt by A.J. Swoboda. He says this, trembling with fear, he's a father of, of young children, he says, even I am being taught by our age of deconstruction, I'm learning to go toe-to-toe with my greatest fear, being rejected by my son. Am I merely handing my boy something he'll ultimately reject? In the raging storm of these fears, God is teaching me listen to this, that his love for my son is greater than my own. And that I am invited to lovingly and faithfully instill a faith into my son that very well may be undone. I pray it isn't. I want my son to love Jesus. I want my son to be a part of God's church. I want my son to live a right and good life, but I can't force him to believe. I can't force anyone to believe. I have to have faith I have to hand faith onto my son as a very act of faith, not an act of control, lest I forget that self-control and not control is a fruit of the Spirit. My new goal is handing my son a story of Jesus so beautiful and compelling that no philosophy professor during his first year of college could rip it 
out of his heart. I want you to reflect on those words for just a second and just give me a quick, let me give you a quick word of encouragement. If you've got adult kids who have walked away and are struggling, the encouragement I want to give you is keep praying. Keep praying. Keep praying. Keep praying. The same God that delivered this word to Zechariah and Elizabeth when they're really old can still do miraculous things. Amen. Some of you know that. Some of you experience that. And I also want you to hear this truth that as much as we love our kids, God loves them more. God loves them more. A quick word for parents with young kids. This picture, my new goal is handing my son of Jesus that is beautiful and compelling. That's an important word to hear. All right. I'm going to go back. Back to verse 35. And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. We see in Mary, we see this in her story, a beautiful, humble response to God's call on her life. She believes, she goes through this process, and she accepts. Let's continue, verse 39. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. What a beautiful picture that even in the womb, Jesus brings joy. So this is Mary's story. Process of hearing, questioning, responding, connecting, going back with Elizabeth. So there's a story. You have a story. I have a story of the events of our lives, the way God is working, how we put that together, how we discern that, how we make sense of it. But there's also a song, and I want to take you to Mary's song. Verse 46. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. My soul magnifies the Lord. What does it mean to magnify? It means to make great, to, you know, in this, in this understanding, it would be to, to, to see God as he really is, to see his greatness for all that it really is. With her soul, with her spirit, with her whole self, 
her whole self. There's a deep sense of adoration and wonder in this. For he has looked on the humble state of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. What Mary can do, Mary can see and sing about the big picture of God at work. From generation to generation. Verse 51, he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. As he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. One of the things I noticed about Mary's song, the word of God just oozes out of her. She had to have grown up in a tradition where she knew the story, she knew the scriptures. I'm sure she had learned from Elizabeth. Bible scholars, you can go back to uh, the, the prayer of Hannah and, and uh, who had waited for a child, and you can, you can imagine Elizabeth probably modeling some of her prayers after that and her joy at receiving the promise that she would bear a child. But she had internalized the Scriptures, and she sang. So when we look at Mary's story and we look at Mary's song, I believe it gives us a choice. It gives us an opportunity. Mary had a story. She had the events of her life. She had the circumstances. She had God working in her. And then she's able to sing a song of praise. And the song and the story are important. Because in many ways, it's, it's the song that's the heart that can drive the story. And I believe we can learn from that example this morning. You have a story. Corey has a story. We just heard a little bit of it. And you have a song. The story, are, it's the events, it's God working in your life, it's, it's the things you can see. But there's a song from the inside that wells up that says, what's the true state of your heart. What's really in there? What's really driving you? What really gets you up in the morning? And I want to make a con contrast with you this morning. There's a song of joy. I believe we're all invited to sing a song of joy. And I want to give you three parts to this. The first is, as Mary gives us, to magnify the Lord with your soul. To magnify the Lord with your soul. To see God in all of his greatness. Now sometimes when we hear, hear this word magnify, it's, it's like I've got I've to make a great deal out of something that's not very much. The complete opposite is true 
with God. We don't have to pad God's resume. We don't have to exaggerate. We just have to go to his word. We have to listen to the voice of the Spirit, connect with other people, and there are plenty of things to celebrate about the greatness of God. Amen? Now, we have problems, though. We have problems with how we see. I know I do. Because we don't see as clearly as we think sometimes. I know I don't. If you've been following Jesus for, for a minute, sometimes you hear things and you say, well, God did this and God did that and God worked out this little detail. And sometimes if I'm being honest, I'm like, really? I'm kind of skeptical about that. I can, I can even get a little cynical sometimes. And sometimes I need a microscope to see the details of how God is actually working. Sometimes God works in ways I don't understand. And sometimes it's in the very minutia of the daily stuff. It might be a little act of kindness that the God of the universe is working in your life on Tuesday at a restaurant that might be drawing you near to him. I have to guard against a spirit of skepticism that says, well, God's not concerned about that. Maybe I'm not alone. Sometimes I need to, a microscope to see the greatness of God in the little details of life. Other times I need a telescope. I need a telescope to see the grand work of God in the universe, in the world, even when it doesn't seem like it. And I have to look ahead and I have to see the big picture. I have to wonder about the not yet. I have to wonder about Jesus' return. I have to think about these things, but I magnify the Lord with my soul, my whole self. That's what we're called to do. Now, you say, well, yeah, Jesus did some miraculous things for Mary, of course. She bears Jesus. But let's not underestimate what God has given us. Let's not underestimate the truth that he has given us. We've got the cross. We've got the empty tomb. We have the New Testament. Our vision is limited. And I need the Holy Spirit to enlighten the eyes of my heart to see. Now, the second thing for our song of joy is to see our current circumstances as part of God's story. Mary's able to do that. Imagine what Mary would have experienced in her community. Oh yeah, this angel appeared to me, and this is how the child is going to be conceived? Imagine what Joseph would have gone through. But she's able to see. See, she's able to see her circumstances in light of God's work. 
for he has looked at the humble state of his servant. Do you have a wonder that says, wow, God would choose me to do this for his kingdom? That be, might be, just be with your family, with your friends, with your, your, your neighbors, your coworkers, with what we're able to, how we're able to serve one another, how we're able to give, but a wonder at saying, wow, I get to do this. I get to do this. And that leads to the third, which is to celebrate what God is doing and will do in our community. There's a process here that ends in an expression of joy and celebration for Mary, and it is for us too. Now, I'd like to say amen on that, but I want to go a little deeper because there's another song that we can sing, and that's the song of worry. Any worriers out there? Here's how the song of worry goes. It's a little different. It starts with, Magnify your idols with your soul. Magnify your idol. What, what, what's an idol? It's something you put in place of God. There's this three-headed monster of achievement, accumulation, and approval. When we pursue those things above all else, whatever that looks like for you, for me, for us, those can be idols. When that becomes my ultimate pursuit, it may not end in joy. Because what happens when I achieve something? You want more? I finally got the raise. I finally got the promotion. Well, that'll satisfy me the rest of my life. My kids had a perfect week. That ain't going to last. Whatever that may be, there's a, there's a treadmill of that. Now, the second thing, I see God as only part of my story. There's a huge difference between seeing my story as part of God's bigger story and seeing God as simply my assistant or my consultant for my goals. And then finally, to complain about what God is not doing for you. Now, I don't don't know about you, but I got both songs coming out of me sometimes. The song of joy and the song of worry. What I believe like the Holy Spirit is inviting me to do is to sing that song of joy. And to silence, work through that song of worry. So how do we do that? How do we actually do that this week? If I said, you know what, just try harder not to worry so much. Just work really hard at joy and work really hard to stop worrying. That's not going to work. That's a spiral of guilt and shame. Not very effective. I believe we can actually change, though. I believe the the Apostle Paul was way ahead of all the uh, neuroscience and brain chemistry about neural pathways and how neuroplasticity and how our brains can change. 
when he said simply, uh, you know what, how are we, we renewed? We're transformed by the renewal of our mind. We don't have to conform to the pattern of this world. But Paul invites us to do that. And I want to invite you this week to have a simple practice. You can see me on the way out for a prayer card, but it's got a a morning prayer and an evening prayer. Why? Because we need help on the first thoughts of our day and the last thoughts of our day. Now, there's things we can do in the middle. There's things, I I get all that, but I'm going to take a baby step here. A few minutes in the morning, a few minutes in the evening, a prayer to help get things together in your mind. So would you take that challenge this week? Pray in the morning. You don't have to have my words, but I've, I've, I've given you some help on that, if we would do that. Now, this morning, though, as I've, I believe through Mary's words, we're, we're challenged to take this song of joy and to make it more of the norm. I really believe that that's true. At the same time, though, I know for some of you, this is a really hard season. It's a really hard season. What I don't want you to hear is, I don't want you to leave saying, you know what? He said all these things about joy and worry, and if you just knew what I was going through. Well, I don't know exactly what you're going through. Jesus does, though. And we're here together for a reason. And one of the things we do, we we can hear, we can sing, and we can pray together. So I want to invite you really simply right now, I want you to bow your heads, and uh, we're going to pray together for a moment, and I'm going to give you a few opportunities to respond. So just bow your head, close your eyes. The first group is this. If If you're in the middle of grief right now, you've experienced a loss, just raise your hand. I want to pray for you right now. You're, you're, you're grieving something. Maybe it's a person, maybe it's a relationship, but you're grieving right now. Let me pray for you right now. Father, I thank you for the willingness to share and acknowledge that uh, there's hurt and there's grief. And I pray right now that your spirit would bring comfort to my brothers and sisters who are hurting. And may we as the body of Christ comfort one another. Second category I have, those of you right now who are experiencing worry. Maybe there's an upcoming surgery. Maybe there's a relationship. Maybe it's finances. Maybe it's a job. Just slip up your hand if worry is something you're wrestling with right now. Thank you for sharing. Let me pray. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would work in the lives of my brothers and sisters, that maybe through a small kindness, you would remind them of your presence. I know they have, they have prayed, there's an answer that they're seeking, but I pray above all else that you would reveal yourself to them. And the last category, if you are experiencing doubt right now, or there's somebody in your life that's experiencing doubt right now. Please raise up your hand. Let me, let me pray for you today. Lord Jesus, I can see hands. I can see multiple hands up. And I pray 
that those who are experiencing doubt, whether it's in this room or they're praying on behalf of somebody else, that you would help that person who's doubting to take a step forward. Maybe it's simply from a doubt that's closed to a doubt that is now open. And Lord, where we have unbelief, help us to believe and help us to represent you in a way that helps others see you so clearly. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, I want to thank you for just slipping up a hand. That's a big deal to say, yeah, this is me. As I was thinking about um, Mary, and I was thinking about the other chapters of Mary's story. This isn't the end of for Mary. Towards the end of John's gospel, Jesus will be on the cross. And he'll look at Mary. And he'll say, look, behold, your son. And then he'll look to his, his best friend John and say, he'll look at John and say, your mother. And Mary will go live with John. He will care for her. And it just reminds us, gives us this picture of what Jesus has done for us, his care for us. Even in his last breath, to care for his mother. But we're reminded that on the night Jesus was betrayed, he gathered his disciples in the upper room. And after giving thanks, he broke the bread and gave it to them. And we, as followers of Jesus, and we come to the table, we come as followers of Jesus. So if you put your faith and trust in him, just would invite you to receive now. So just as Jesus said, this is my body given for you, take, eat, do this in remembrance of me. So may we receive together. And in the same way, Jesus took the cup. He said, this is the blood of the new covenant. This blood represents blood that will be shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. So just as we received the bread, may we now receive the cup together. I would invite you to pray with me. Father, as we receive the bread and the cup, we say thank you. Thank you for giving us Jesus. Thank you for our forgiveness. Thank you for the love and the joy and the peace and the hope that you give to us as gifts. Your word tells us that as often as we eat and we drink, we proclaim the Lord's death and we look forward to his return. So give us a vision to see the big story, the big picture. And would you move in our hearts for us to respond as you would have us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.